Have you ever heard of a calico or tortoise shell cat? You've almost certainly seen them. They're those cats that are colored a patchwork of black and orange, sometimes with a bit of white as well, and they're pretty common. But these fashionable felines are also a really good demonstration of one of the weirder parts of genetics. See, calico cats are almost exclusively female. You'll very rarely see a male cat that's got those patches of orange and black. And the reason is that the gene that controls orange fur in these cats sits on the X chromosome. Remember, male mammals almost always have one X and one Y sex chromosome, whereas females almost always have two Xs. That's how sex gets determined. In these female calico cats, one of their X chromosomes comes with the gene for orange fur, and another comes with the gene for not orange fur. So far, so good, right? Except it's not like orange always beats not orange, like you get with lots of genes that have dominant versus recessive versions. Or it's not like the orange combines with black and you get just a darker orange. No, what's happening is that on some parts of the cat's skin, the orange gene is in charge, and on some parts, the black gene is in charge, hence the patches. If you think about that for a while, that will seem weird. But what if I told you that this effect doesn't just happen for fur color. It happens for every gene, on every X chromosome, on seemingly every cell in the body of everyone with more than one X. Welcome to the weird world of female mosaicism. On today's program, the reason, according to some, why females live longer, see color better, and even better survive the coronavirus. I'm Phil Sanson, and this is Naked Genetics. The science we're discussing in the program today was first hypothesized by an English geneticist, Mary Lyon. The idea is that the way females deal with having two X chromosomes leads to this mosaic effect, that one cell in one part of the body might be relying on one of the Xs, but its neighbor might be relying on the other, and so on, repeated across every part of the body. It's a baffling subject, and one whose consequences have fascinated geneticist Barbara Mijone. She's author of the book Females Are Mosaics, and she took me through what that phrase actually means. Women have two X chromosomes, whereas males have only one because of the way we determine sex, and for reasons understood only because we never see anybody who has two functional X chromosomes, it has to be compensated for in some way. You're saying two X chromosomes is sort of too much X chromosome. It is. I can't tell you why, but empirically we know that it is. And individuals who express too much of the X chromosome have congenital abnormalities. And so we know that it's an abnormal situation. So what happens? How does the body compensate? During embryonic development, very, very early, one of the X chromosomes in every one of her cells is turned off, is silenced. It stays there, but it, it doesn't work. Chromosomes are transcribed into RNA and into protein, and it doesn't get transcribed at all. How does that happen then? How does the cell decide, I'm going to shut this one off and keep this one running? We don't know 
all the answers to that question yet. We do know a lot about how to turn off a chromosome. There is a gene on the X chromosome that encodes an RNA, not a protein like most genes encode, that stays with the chromosome. It spreads up and down the chromosome, and then it attracts all kinds of factors that will tend to turn the genes off. Almost like a chromosome self-destruct button. It's, it is like that. But without the destruction. Yes. But it is a, a very potent gene. If you take that gene and put it into any other chromosome, it will inactivate that chromosome as well. So it's a very potent chromosome inactivator. It's called XIST, which is an X inactivation-specific transcript. If it's that powerful, how come both the Xs don't immediately get shut down? Well, that's the question I have. I think it's a terribly important question. It seems that there has to be some way to repress that particular gene exists. Studies are in progress to try to identify how that happens. Now, I want to talk about the consequences of 1X being silenced. Because I know, Barbara, you've written this book, Females Are Mosaics. Can, yes. can, can you talk on that, please? Well, you know, a mosaic is pieces of glass together and you create a mosaic individual. Biologists use it to mean a mixture of cells. And females are mosaics because they have a mixture of cells, each expressing a different X chromosome. Some of the cells express the chromosome from the mother other cells express the chromosome that comes from the father. And the genes on the father's X differ sometimes considerably from those on the mother's X. Are females really then made up of two groups of cells which can do different things in a way that males just aren't? Yes, that's true. The only males that do the same thing are those that have an extra X chromosome like those with Klinefelter syndrome. What's Klinefelter syndrome? Klinefelter syndrome is a, a syndrome of generally infertile tall men who have two X chromosomes and a Y chromosome. Because they have two Xs, only one of them is expressed exactly like in women. So like females, the, the Klinefelter males, they also have a bit of a lucky break in case there's some sort of defective mutation. Yes, exactly. Equally well as, as human females do in that regard. Can you give me an example? Because I'm just struggling to get my head around how something that broad can have like a specific effect on something like a disease. I think muscular dystrophy, that's an easy one because... Um, there are genes on the X chromosome that cause muscular dystrophy. Very few females have muscular dystrophy because they have a second X chromosome that can provide the gene product that is missing from the other. What if, though, the, the cells that get the muscular dystrophy 
because you said one of the exes got silenced, but the other was still active. What if they accidentally have the active bad version of the gene? Well, 50% of normal product seems to be enough in many cases to protect the female from a problem. In other cases, the cells don't do as well as the, the, the normal cell and so that they will grow more slowly and they eventually get overgrown by normal cells. So one population of cells can really protect the other in a bunch of different ways. They can either provide enough of a, a missing protein or just, you know, overpower the defective cells in certain places. It's exactly right, yes. I think it's marvelous that that kind of therapeutic effect occurs in females when they're not aware of it at all. Normally for yeah. someone female, is it like, uh, I don't know, some kind of modern art painting where there's great big swabs of color all in groups alongside each other? Or is it more like some sort of Jackson Pollock where there's a, a lot of tiny little dots nestled alongside each other? Well, it depends on the tissue you look at. And if you look at brain, it's more like tiny little dots next to one another. But if you look at placenta, for instance, it's big patches of uh, color. And we've talked about muscular dystrophy. In the grand scheme of all the health problems that a person can have, how, how big a role does this mosaicism play? How, how broad are the effects? Well, there are something like a thousand genes on the X chromosome. The effect of these genes on women's health is fairly tremendous, I think. Most people attribute differences in expression of disease to either the hormone differences between males and females or life experiences. Males tend to be more dangerous and often get into situations that women would not. However, I think that the X chromosome inactivation plays a more important role than any of those. <laughs> the fact that women are mosaic is very protective, and we know that because from the time of implantation, when the fetus is implanted in the uterus, to the end of life, 20% more males die at every stage. And in the end, we end up with many more females. By the age of 75 to 80, more females start to die because they're the only ones that are left. The variety of cells gives us a variety of gene products that can interact and help even when both genes are not defective. Women need to realize that they do have a biologic advantage that enables them to do even better than males do under certain circumstances. You know what? You, you convinced me, Barbara. Sign me up for an extra X chromosome. It sounds great. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so if you could get what I would try, <laughs> but you don't want Kleinfelder's syndrome. <laughs> Geneticist Barbara Mijon. After the break, the female mosaic goes up against a car crash and the coronavirus.
Music in the program is sponsored by Epidemic Sound. Perfect music for audio and video productions. Hello, sorry to butt in, Katie here from the Naked Scientists. Did you know we make other naked shows too? The fraction of all humanity who has actually gotten a chance to see their own brain is very tiny and you are welcomed to that club. So if you enjoy musing over the mind, reflecting on thought, or frankly feel bamboozled by the brain, check out Naked Neuroscience. Well, my face hurts now, so yeah, let's go, it's spicy. <laughs> Don't go down into the creepy cellar yeah. and turn the light on. <laughs> exactly. Access the full archive via nakedscientist.com slash neuroscience or subscribe to Naked Neuroscience wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking about this genetic idea of females being mosaics. That is, in mammals, females have two X chromosomes, whereas males have one. And females compensate by switching off one of those Xs when they're still just an embryo. But for each cell, the X that gets switched off is random. So an adult female is a melting pot of two different families of cells. This is also the subject of a recent book by geneticist Sharon Moalem called The Better Half, colon, On the Genetic Superiority of Women. In it, he argues that not only does this mosaicism help females in loads of ways, but that it's actually more complicated that some of the genes from the switched-off X chromosome somehow survive the switching off through some mechanism that's not yet understood, and they go on to help out even further. The, the dogma around this was uh, for many years that having two X chromosomes, that they only predominantly use one, that one was shut down early on in development. What we're discovering right now is not only that females made up of two population of cells that are cooperating, but, but actually within the individual cells, females have access to about 25% of the so-called silenced X. So it, what that actually means is it's another 250 genes it's much more genetic horsepower, so to speak, in every female cell compared to male cells. And many of those genes are involved in the prevention of cancer, um, in immunological function, in the building and maintaining of a human brain. So um, although you know having uh, an extra 1,000 genes overall to use might not sound that significant because we have about 20,000 genes, these genes are crucial. So what you're saying is that for uh, all the cells in a woman's body, well, they all have two X chromosomes. Yes. And where previously everyone thought, oh, one of those X chromosomes just isn't doing anything. Now you're saying, actually, some of that X chromosome is doing stuff and that's adding extra genetic material. But not only that, of all the cells in that woman's body, some of them are oriented such that they use one of the X chromosomes and a little bit of the other. And some of them are oriented that they use that other X chromosome and a little bit of the first one. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And so having those two populations of cells, the other thing that's happening, it, they're not actually uh, just behaving independently. They're sharing genetic information and proteins and tools across populations. If a baby's born and their brain doesn't receive enough oxygen, and if certain cells in the brain are using the X from the mother that have genes that are better suited for low oxygen conditions, those cells then can take over 
and start dividing in the brain and then provide uh, the necessary genetic and, and um, cellular material to help the baby girl survive. And, and that's actually what we're seeing. We're seeing that whatever the insult that's experienced throughout life, uh, females really are able to overcome and survive. Until very recently, we viewed this as females just having a spare, almost like a spare tire that they can swap in. The example that most people may be familiar with is colorblindness. The three genes for color vision, two of them are on the X chromosome. In males, if one of those two genes has a mutation on it, they drop down from being able to differentiate between 1 million colors to about 30,000. Females then, their rate of colorblindness is only 0.1%. But because females have these two populations of cells working in the back of the retina, the cells are cooperating. So it's not just that females have a backup. Females, we just discovered, have the ability for something called tetrachromatic vision. And so instead of having just normal vision, these women are thought to be able to see 100 million colors instead of the normal 1 million. That's unbelievable. How, how recently known about is this science? How recently discovered is this? Really just in the last uh, handful of years. Once you understand the implications, it really becomes mind-blowing because what we're saying is then that in everywhere you look in a female, be it her heart, her skin, her immune system, there's really two populations of cells that are cooperating. And it really also helps to explain why males have this biological fragility. Because unfortunately, even though myself as a genetic male, having, you know, I may be physically strong, I may have more physical power, but biologically, I am more fragile, because every one of my cells has only one X. Wherever you look in my body, every one of my cells, it has to rely on that one X. If there's any issue with any of those genes that I've, I've inherited, I'm going to be in trouble when it comes to survival. What about the Y chromosome, though? Doesn't that help to have that extra little bit of genetic material? It does. Again, it gives me my, the upper body strength. But when it comes to survival, uh, the Y is, is a very slim addition to our genome. It has, you know, around 70 genes on it. Of those, um, many are involved in sex development, and some of the other genes are involved in the making of sperm. And so it becomes apparent why males are the weaker sex. You know, although we've ascribed female surviving into um, old age, I was taught in grad school and in medical school that the reason really is behavioral. Women don't take risks. They don't uh, smoke or drink. And yet when you, you look at early on in life, and this is what happened to me when professionally I switched and started taking care of babies that are born premature in the neonatal intensive care unit, I saw the same survival advantage. And of course, it's not behavior. Baby girls or baby boys sitting in the incubator are um, not taking up smoking or drinking or you know riding a motorcycle without a helmet. What's driving that survival advantage? And when it comes down to it, having an extra 1,000 genes really makes that difference. These are fundamental differences at the biological level. And so when we look at data regarding the coronavirus and the sex mortality, again, we see men dying at the rate of two to one. This all sounds just mad and bizarre, though, to imagine that someone has sort of like two symbiotic types of cells in every part of their body. I mean, how, how can you even tell? I, I, that's actually, interestingly enough, has been some of the, the challenges in doing this work, because to find out what percentage of the populations of cells are, you actually need to sample the tissue. 
So if you're looking in the blood and you're looking at immune cells, it, that's more accessible because you can just take a blood sample. The challenge, of course, is that, you know, you can't access the brain that easily. You know, I can't go around sticking a biopsy needle into uh, people's brains to try to get out samples. But what we know, at least from animal models and, and also from tissue samples from people when we do have access to them, is that the population of cells in females that are using one X over the other is dynamic, meaning it actually changes over time. In the book, I give this example of an unfortunate incident that my wife and I experienced. Um, we were in a pretty hor horrific car accident uh, where we were really lucky to be alive. We and we ended up with with very similar um, injuries. And she did actually much better than I did when it came to infections and her wounds healing. And that's because when it comes to, say, the skin, for example, again, the skin starts out on a woman's body, 50% of skin cells are using the X from the mother. And on average, 50% are using the X from the father. But when an injury happens and wound healing needs to take place, it seems that the one cell population that's using the X that can heal much faster, that cell population starts dividing a little faster. And so in the wound area, you might end up with 90% of the cells uh, using the X predominantly from the mother, which say was better for, for wound healing. And the same thing is happening in the immune system. If one population of, of cells in a female is better at fighting a certain pathogen, bacterial or viral, that will take over and be the predominant cell, say 80 or 90%. And this happens within you know minutes or hours of uh, the initiation of an infection. And this dynamic mosaic of these different groups of cells in females can be different in every organ in her body. Is that uh, what's going on in the context of something you mentioned earlier with the coronavirus, the fact that men seem to be hit much harder than women? Yes. And, and so the, um, the current pandemic is an unfortunate example. You know, this is like a prediction that I made in my book. I wrote it before, you know, long before the pandemic happened. And I predicted the next time that we would see a microbe, unfortunately, take its toll on human populations, we'd see increased male mortality. And the reason is actually multifactorial. One that you mentioned is the immune system. So we know that females have a much more aggressive immune system. It's not only the fact that they have two populations of cells, female sex hormones, estrogen stimulate the immune system. It makes it, their immune cells much more aggressive. Testosterone, for example, inhibits the immune system. It does the exact opposite. Then we look at the immune cells and we say all these extra genes that females can bring into play is another example. And even if we look at the gate or the lock on our cells that the coronavirus unlocks. So ACE2, it's a protein that sits on the cell surface. That gene is found on the X chromosome. So that means that both your and, and my cells are all using the identical ACE2 from the X that, that you inherited from your mother and that I inherited from my mother as well. If we encounter a coronavirus that has a spike protein that, that can unlock that ACE2, all our cells will unlock equally and we're, we'll be in, in trouble. And yet when you look at females, 50% of their cells will be using one version of ACE2 and 50% will be using another. So the coronavirus has to have a key that could pick both locks ACE2 equally in females. And that, that's an advantage that then females have over men as well. Females are doing better in the ICU as well, post-infection. And again, having those two populations of cells, having all that extra genetic material coming to bear is what's allowing females to walk out and recover from the ICU. And unfortunately, males not having those genetic options are succumbing in such higher numbers. 
It's not a hundred percent good though, right? Because there are some disorders that are linked specifically to the X chromosome. Um, I'm thinking fragile X syndrome. I'm thinking Rett syndrome. Yes. And so Rett syndrome is actually a really good example. Some people have given Rett syndrome the moniker of, of like a female autism because it's a genetic syndrome that's linked to a gene on the X chromosome. And so we thought that it only happens in females because we only saw females that were affected. And yet, as it turns out, that's not the case. The reason that we don't see any males is because for the most part, Rett is actually lethal to males in utero. So the males aren't even strong enough to make it to birth with Rett syndrome. And yet we thought of this as a female only condition because, you know, we only really saw females with Rett syndrome. But when you talk about what are the costs of having two populations of cells, what is the big cost of having an aggressive immune system and these violent immune cells that females have? And uh, the cost really is an increased risk of autoimmunity for almost every autoimmune condition that we know of. And so if it's lupus, it's nine females for every male, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, pretty much right across the board. Again, this makes sense. It's not just because female cells are more aggressive, that plays a role. But the one of the driving forces, I believe, behind it comes back again to the reason that female have a survival advantage in the first place. And that's because females are made up of two populations of cells that are using different X chromosomes. So if an immune cell that is looking to see if cells are infected with viruses or perhaps have they become malignant, and let's just say that immune cell encounters a cell in the joint that is predominantly using the X from the other parent, it might think that that joint cell is foreign and unfortunately attack it. And when that process begins, you get a so-called friendly fire. You get you know the immune system attacking itself. And unfortunately, um, that's why women really bear the brunt of autoimmunity. And yet, even when you look at autoimmune conditions, when you compare men and women, say, who have multiple sclerosis, women are elevated, um, you know, they have elevated risk for it, but they have better outcomes in these autoimmune conditions predominantly over men. And that's because generally women having two populations of cells can deal with challenges, even if those challenges were self-induced through autoimmunity. Geneticist Sharon Moalan. And go check out his book, The Better Half, for more. That's it for this month's Naked Genetics. A special thanks to Carolyn Brown, who told me the story about CalcoCats. Check out her Calco-obsessed research lab over at inactivexlab.com. And thanks to Eva Higginbotham for production on this episode. If you enjoyed the show, or if you absolutely hated it and you just have to tell me, Email phil at nakedscientist.com to get in touch. Or us Naked Scientists, we're on Twitter and Facebook too. iTunes reviews are nice if you have the time. And until next month, I've been Phil Sansom. Bye-bye.